watching um, here in the future and sh shalom to all of you that are here today. Uh, my name is Jose, um, with, uh, co-host with uh, Brandon Muchmore for Torah to the Tribes. Uh, we here um, take the calendar uh, as it is written in scripture and we inspect it, study it, and uh, try to show itself approved to try to bring you the, the, the most accurate information based on how we should walk out his, uh, his days and feasts, Shabbats and et cetera. Uh, we also do prophetic. Um, Brandon Muchmore tonight is going to go into a part seven series, uh, a completion of the part seven series, uh, the Songs of Moshe. Uh, if you haven't watched the first six, I do recommend you do so. They're very edifying, lots of information. So get your uh, your notepads and, and pens out and uh, and see how these uh, prophetic um, uh, scriptures are revealed for us today as we see this timeline just right in front of our eyes, how it's happening right, right in front of our eyes. And so last time he did uh, discuss the plagues of Egypt, wonderful teaching. Uh, and this um, teaching is gonna be, as I said, about the songs of Moshe, and we will be singing it again, right? That's what the book of Revelation talks about. And so in this final teaching, uh, he's gonna examine the uh, and the halos of the Exodus, how it parallels with the scripture, uh, specifically more with Revelation 15. And uh, we'll also, he'll also be covering uh, the, the highlights about the actual Exodus out of Egypt. So um, I hope everyone is very blessed and richly blessed by this teaching. And if you haven't signed up for this uh, Friday and Shabbat invitations where we bring you teachings and we do fellowships and hangouts, please do so. You can go to tourtothetribes.com uh, forward slash connect, <clears throat> go to the bottom, uh, register, and you know even register people that you think may be interested in the calendar. You can do it for them as well. And uh, we'll send you out invites and we'll be able to uh, you know, fellowship with you. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll see some of you. And if you haven't signed up for uh, other uh, platforms, please do so. You're, there'll, there'll be a listing there that'll keep you busy throughout the week. All right, well, um, I hope you'll enjoy this teaching. And Brandon, whenever you are ready, the floor is yours. All right, appreciate it. <clears throat> well, good evening, everyone. Um, trying something new tonight, as you can tell where I'm actually standing up <laughs> behind the, the old podium here. We don't call them pulpits because we're not trying to pull anybody down to the pit like the uh, Sunday pastors are, right? Um, but, yeah, so like Brother Jose said, um, my name's Brandon Muchmore, of course, you guys know that, but for those who are watching in the future. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is, the, this is the wrap up. This is the finale, if you will of uh of exodus on my mind um and it's been on my mind very very long time now um gosh i think six seven months ago is when my daughter got hooked on uh that movie uh the prince of egypt or the prince of egypt as she would say um and uh we watched it last uh, i think last shabbat we just watched it you know so and we'll probably end up watching it tomorrow you know, <laughs> um, really great movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it, um, as far as kids movies go, it's really, really well done. But um, anyway, so part seven, Exodus on my mind. Now, I actually thought about doing, <laughs> I told my wife earlier this week, I was like, man, like when I'm studying this, like I almost have like three, um, three different messages I could go 
three different routes I could go. And maybe, you know, in the future, you know, uh, yeah, willing, we'll, we'll touch on some more of those, but I thought about, you know, first I thought about, uh, the song of Moshe. Um, then I thought about released by the blood. Um, what was the third one I was thinking of? I don't know. I don't remember what it was. Maybe I have it in my notes or something, but, um, I don't think I do, but anyway, the needless to say, there's a lot of information, you know, uh, in, in scripture, a lot of revelation, you know, in scripture that's available. Oh, I think the other one was, uh, talking about blood and water, right? Because, you know, by, because, you know, the first plague was, was blood, right? And then the very last thing that opened up was the water, you know, that, that set them free. And just like when Yahusha was on the tree and the centurion goes to Pierce's side and blood and water came pouring out, you know, and it's by that, that baptism, both in his, uh, you know, John said, you know, that he baptizes the water, but one coming after him would baptize with fire, right? Um, and um, you can see the screen, uh, right, Jose? Uh, yes, I can see it. Uh, for some reason, it was I was highlighted, so I switched it over to you so they can see you just in case. Oh, okay. Uh, during the video. All right. Um, so, so you can see me and the screen. Or just this, just me. Mm -hmm. No, the screen that we can see, we can see the. Uh, okay. The sword. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, but also we're, you know, we're part of the. He said we're part of the blood of the new covenant, right? Um, when when he uh, when he had the the last uh, supper, as we call it, right? Um, so that was another route I thought about taking. I thought about doing the song of Moshe thought about doing released by the blood um so i settled on the song of motion but also like jose said we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about the actual highlights of the exodus a little bit and it'll be a little bit of a recap because we obviously just finished the plagues and the 10th plague is obviously also you know within the exodus itself but Bear with me. So we're going to look at Exodus 12. Um, we're going to look at some of Exodus 13, uh, pretty much all of Exodus 14. Um, Exodus 15, which is where the Song of Moshe is found. We're going to look at Revelation 12. We're going to look at a few verses in Revelation 14 and a few verses in Revelation, few verses rather, in Revelation 15 as well. All right. And then we'll just kind of go along. Um, and then the other thing is whenever I would try and sit down and like make slides for this week or like write out a sermon for this week, if you will, I just got the impartation of like, just teach the word. So hopefully you guys are cool with that. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. All right. But so the song of Moshe and like Jose said, the subtitle is we'll be singing it again, because as we've, you know, looked at various things throughout uh, the various teachings that I've done. There's nothing under the sun, and Yahoo has declared the end from the beginning, and everything is going back to the garden. That's what the New Jerusalem's about. That's what 
the second exodus is about that's what everything's about right um and uh so <clears throat> it's a song the song of moses it's a song of trials it's a song of testing it's a song of testimony which we know that they're without a test there is no testimony right one doesn't go without the other it's it's a song that in the near future those who are standing not sab on the sea of glass which we'll look at in revelation 15 will be singing it once again it's a song about of new birth it's a song of of the great things that yahuwah had done for the hebrew israelites and how he saved them with his mighty hand and outstretched arm which we know that represents yahusha himself right the arm of yahuwah and so as we wrap up the exodus on my mind series let's examine some of the highlights of the exodus and the parallels that we find in scripture between the book of exodus and revelation because actually what's interesting is if you look at exodus 15 and revelation 15 they're literally book ends where both chapters the song of moses is actually mentioned uh one chapter exodus 15 it's actually sung in whole um and then revelation 15 it's summarized okay so let's start off with the pasak the passover we obviously know you know about what uh 30 uh six seven days ago you know on the on april the third is when we celebrated Pesach, right? Um, so I'm not going to touch on some of the stuff I'm going to skip over, but um, we are going to touch on, you know, the important stuff about, you know, the blood and it being a sign and everything like that, right? So the Passover is instituted. And Yahuwah, uh, which if you're wondering what this is, this is the ancient um, uh, pictographic Hebrew. That's what his name looks like an ancient paleo pictographic Hebrew. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe and Aharon in the land of Mitzrayim or Egypt, saying, This month is the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of the year for you. Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, <clears throat> of this month, each one of them is to take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take, take it according to the number of beans, according to each man's need. Make your count for the lamb. Let the lamb be a perfect one, a year old male. Take it from the sheep or from the goats. And it shall be, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of that same month. Then all the assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it between the evenings and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it, right? So if this was representing that, two doorposts, lintel, okay? Um, and they shall eat it with, they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its inward parts, and do not leave any of it until morning. That what remains till morning you burn with fire. This is how you are to eat it. With your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Pesach, it is the Passover of Yahuwah. 
and it shall come to pass, or sorry, and I shall pass through the land of Mitzrayim on that night and shall smite all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim, both man and beast, and on all the mighty ones of Mitzrayim, I shall execute judgment. I am Yahuwah. And the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you and the plague not come on you to destroy you when I smite the land of Mitzrayim, right? Now, what's interesting, if you actually go taking a kind of a page here out of, uh, out of uh, Matthew Nolan's book, if you will, um, talking about the, the Torah of first mention of the word Passover, the first time that this phrase is used, now it's not used together, like literally the one word Passover, but in Genesis chapter 8, the first time that the word or phrase is used for Passover, or sorry, the first time it's used is in Genesis chapter 8, where it talks about uh, Yahuwah caused the wind to pass over, and that's what caused the waters to recede. So kind of very interesting how that works. Um, that's for free, not part of the message or anything, all right? And the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. When I see the blood, I shall pass over you and let the plague, not let the plague come to you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this Verse 29, verse 29. Uh oh, it's saying my internet connection is unstable. So we'll pray against that. <laughs> um, and it came to pass, sorry, verse 29, here you go. And it, and it came to be that at midnight that Yahuwah smote all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive of the slave who is in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants and all the Mitzrites, all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Mitzrayim, for there was not a house where there was not a dead one. Okay. Now, in my opinion, how I, not my opinion, but how I, how I view uh, how things look within the book of Revelation this is probably what's going to happen when these four angels are released to kill a third of mankind, you know, um, and as well as the, um, the pale horse. We know that, you know, a quarter of the earth um, is taken by uh, pestilence, uh, death, famine, the sword, and by the beasts of the earth, right? We touched on that last week, or not last week, but the last session, right? So basically, Yahuwah is saying, as I talked about uh, last time, that you killed my children by having all the males, you know, two years or younger, thrown into the river to be consumed by the crocodiles. So now I'm taking yours. Right? We touched on that last week. So there's a great cry in all of 
Egypt now. For there was not a house where there was not a dead one. Then he called Pharaoh. Then he called for Moshe and Aharon by night and said, Arise, go out from the midst of my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go and serve Yahweh as you have said. Take both you, your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and go. Then you shall bless me too. Okay? And then the Exodus itself. And the Mitzrites urged the people. So <laughs> there, there's this birthing that's taking place, right? The birth of the nation, the rebirth of the nation of Israel is really what's happening here. And the Mitzrites urged the people to hasten them to send them out of the land. For they said, we are all dying. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, before it had risen, having their kneading bowls bound up, bound up in their garments and on their shoulders. And the children of Israel had done to the, to the word, according to the word of Moshe, and they asked from the Mitzrites for objects of silver, gold, and garments. So they actually plundered Egypt as they left. And Yahweh gave the people favor in the eyes of the Mitzrites so that they gave them what they asked, and they plundered the Mitzrites. And the children of Israel set out for Ramsey, from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot besides the little ones. And a mixed multitude went up with them too, also flocks and herds, very much livestock. And they baked, uh, and they baked unleavened cakes of dough, which they had brought out of Mitzrayim, for it was not leavened. Since they were driven out of Mitzrayim and had not been able to delay, nor had they prepared food for themselves. And the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Mitzrayim was 430 years. And it came to be at the end of the 430 years that on that same day, it uh, came to be that all the divisions of Yahuwah went out from the land of Mitzrayim. Now, what's interesting is this is not talking about because actually, if you follow the genealogies, and Matthew's talked about this as well, it's only 210 years that they actually spent in Egypt, in Mitzrayim. But it was 430 years from Genesis 15 when Abraham received the promise from Yahuwah that he would make him a father of many nations. So it was on that very same day, the, uh, the 15th, because... You know, they had the Pesach, the Passover, on the 14th. And on the 15th was the very first day of unleavened bread. That's when they left. And that was the same day, the very same day, that's what it's referring to, that Abraham received the promises of Genesis 15. It's on the very same day, 430 years later. That's what's happening there, okay? And what's also interesting is on the very same day, Yahushua, was in the grave, right? On that very same day. You see what's going on here? So um, verse uh, 42 here. It is, it is a night to be observed unto Yahuwah for bringing them out of the land of Mitzrayim. This night is unto Yahuwah to be observed by all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Hallelujah. All right, so let's... Move down to chapter 13, verse 17 through 22. All right. We'll, we skip through some of the laws of Passover regulations. The firstborn 
consecrated, etc. The law of the firstborn, things like that. Okay, but the wilderness in the way it says, and it came to be when Pharaoh had let the people go that Elohim uh, that Elohim did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, though that was nearer, that was closer. For Elohim said, lest the people regret when they see fighting and return to Mitzrayim. Want to go back to Mitzrayim, right? So Elohim led them around by the way of the wilderness, by the Sea of Reeds, what has become known as the Red Sea, but it's actually the Sea of Reeds. And the children of Israel went up armed from the land of Mitzrayim. And Moshe took the bones of Yosef, Joseph with him, for he certainly made the children of Israel swear, saying, Elohim shall visit you, certainly visit you, and you shall bring my bones from here with you. And they departed from Sukkoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And Yahuwah went before them in uh, went before them by day in a cloud, a column of cloud to lead the way, and by a column or a pillar of fire by night to give them light. So as to go by day and night. The column of cloud did not cease by day, nor the column or pillar of fire by night before the people. So if you can imagine, I don't know who said this. It might've been Matthew, but somebody said it. I'm copying somebody. I don't know who it was. But you know the heat of the desert and everything during the day, there's this cloud that's purposely covering the people and keeping them from being beat down by the sun. And then by night, is a pillar of fire to keep them warm because it gets very cold in the desert and also to give them light as well, right? So you can see how lovingly our father takes care of us, all right? And now, of course, uh, Exodus 14, the crossing of the Sea of Reeds. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn in camp before Pathira, uh, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal Safon, camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh shall say to the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has closed them in. And I shall harden the heart of Pharaoh, and he shall pursue them. But I am to be glorified or esteemed through Pharaoh and over all of his army. And the Mitzrites shall know that I am Yahuwah. And they did so. And it was reported to the sovereign of Mitzrayim that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. They're no longer our slaves. We let them go, right? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Mitzrayim with officers all over them. And Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. But the children of Israel went out defiantly. And the Mitzrites pursued them, and all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, overtook them, camping by the sea besides Pathira before Baal Safon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel looked, they lifted their eyes and saw the Mitzrites coming after them, and they were greatly afraid. So the children of Israel cried out to Yahuwah, 
And they said to Moshe, did you take us away to die in the wilderness because there were no graves in Egypt, in Mitzrayim? What is this that you have done to us to bring us up out of Mitzrayim? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Mitzrayim saying, leave us alone. Let us serve the Mitzrites. Because you see, remember when Moshe first went to the elders of Israel, they told him to get lost, basically, right? They told him, leave us alone. Let us serve the Mitzrites. Let us be in peace. You know, let us not ruffle any feathers. Let's just, let's just go along with it. You know, we're all in this together, as it would say today, right? For it would have been better for us to serve the Mitzrites than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Stand still and see. See the deliverance or the salvation, which is Yahusha, of Yahuwah. See the salvation. See Yahusha. See the salvation, the deliverance of Yahuwah, which is what Yahusha's name means which he does for you today. For the Mitzrites whom you see today, you are never, never to see again. Or some translations say going to see again. Yahuwah does fight for you and you keep still. You keep still. Reminds you of Psalm 46 verse 10 where it says, Be still and know that I am Yahuwah. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Right? Verse 15. And Yahuwah said to Moshe, Why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Israel. Let them go forward. And you lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And let the children of Israel go out on a dry land through the midst of the sea. And I, and I see I'm hardening the hearts of the Mitzrites, and they shall follow them. And I am to be esteemed through Pharaoh and all over, over all his army and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Mitzrites shall know that I am Yahuwah when I am esteemed through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Because see, remember Exodus chapter 6, he tries to introduce himself and Pharaoh snuffs him and says, I know all these other gods. I know all these other mighty ones that we serve in Mitzrayim, but... This Yahuwah, I do not know, nor will I let his children go, nor will I let his people go, right? And the messenger of Yahuwah, who, came, who went before the camp of Israel, moved. So that pillar of fire that was in front of them, that had paved the way for them, lit the way for them, that living word, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, that pillar of fire went from in front of them to behind them. Do you see that? And the messenger of, Yah of Elohim, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the column of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And the camp, and it came, and came between the camp of the Mitzrites in the camp of Israel, and it was the cloud in the darkness, and it gave light by night, and the one did not come near the other all night. 
Now, in the New King James, it reads this way. Um, verse 20, right? Yeah, verse 20. It says, So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other. So, to the Mitzrites, to Mitzrayim, to the Egyptians, it was terrible. It was dark. It was a cloud. It was cloud and darkness. But on the other hand, it gave light to the Israelites, right? Same thing with Joel, right? We look in the book of Joel. If we were to flip over there, it talks about the great, Joel calls it the great and terrible day of Yahuwah because it's great for his children, for his children are being delivered. They're the ones being delivered from bondage, from slavery, unto everlasting life. But to those who don't serve Yahuwah, yes, it is terrible, very terrible. And they should be afraid. Absolutely. Okay? That's what's going on there. Uh, verse 21, And Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. Hallelujah. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. And the Mitzrites pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all the horses of Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to be in the morning watch. So just before dawn, in the morning watch, that Yahuwah looked down upon the army of the Mitzrites through the column of fire in the cloud. And he brought the army, and he brought the army of the Mitzrites into confusion, or he brought confusion upon them. Says he, uh, it says in the New King James, he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulties. And the Mitzrites said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for Yahweh fights against them, or, or fights for them against the Mitzrites. Then Yahweh said to Moshe, stretch out your hand over the sea and let the waters come back upon the Mitzrites on their chariots, on their horsemen. And Moshe stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its usual flow at the breaking of the day, at the very break of day. So as the breaking of new dawn was happening, it was the dawning of a new day for the nation of Israel. When, with the Mitzrites fleeing into it, thus Yahuwah overthrew the Mitzrites in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and not even one of them was left. And the children of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. Thus Yahuwah saved Israel that day out of the hand of, the, of Mitzrayim, and Israel saw the Mitzrites dead on the seashore. And Yah, Yah, uh, Israel saw the great work, the wonders which Yahuwah had done in Mitzrayim, and the people feared Yahuwah and believed in his servant Moshe. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Powerful stuff. A lot more than just a Sunday school teaching message that we might have grown up with, or even the Ten Commandments movie, you know, as, as good as that would have been, or as good as that was. But stand still. Yahuwah fights for you. See, I've talked to you before about don't be afraid of what the New World Order is doing. Don't be afraid of what the elites have planned. Don't be afraid of their schemes because they're afraid of you. Because the one thing that they're afraid of is the same thing that the Egyptians were afraid of. A united Yasharel that Yahuwah would fight for. That's what they're afraid of. That's exactly what they were afraid of in Exodus chapter 14. That's what caused them to have fear because they realized that Yahuwah fought for them. He showed up at the very last hour when it seemed like there was no way. We say that phrase, he made a way where there is no way, right? Because he's, he can do it. He can still do it. He's not... He, he had an Elohim of the living, not of the dead. He's not an Elohim of just the past, but he's the past, the present, and the future. He is timeless. He's outside of time. So the Song of Moses here in Exodus 15. Then Moshe and the children of Israel sang this song to Yahuwah and spoke, saying, I sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yah is my strength and my song. He has become my deliverance. He is my El, and I praise him. Elohim of my father, and I exalt him. Yahuwah is a man of battle. Or I like how it says it in uh, the New King James that it says in verse 3, Yahuwah is a man of war. He's a man of war. He's a warrior king. Hallelujah. Yahuwah is his name. He cast Pharaoh's chariots and his armies into the sea. His chosen officers are drowned in the sea of reeds. The depths covered them. They went down to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become great in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, crushed the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you pulled down those who rose up against you. You sent forth your wrath, and it consumed them like stubble. And with the wind of your nostrils, the waters were heaped, and the floods stood like a wall. The depths became stiff in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I pursue, I overtake. I divide their spoil. My being is satisfied on them. I draw out my sword. My hand destroys them. You did blow with your wind, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Yahuwah, among the mighty ones? Who is like you? Great in set-apartness, holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them and in your kindness you led the people whom you have redeemed in your strength that you guided them to your set apart 
dwelling. Peoples heard and they trembled. Anguish gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were troubled. And the mighty men of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted. Fear and dread fell upon them by the greatness of your arm. Thee, they are as silent as a stone until your people pass over. O Yahuwah, until the people whom you have bought pass over, you bring them in, you plant and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Yahuwah, which you have made for your own dwelling, the set-apart place, O Yahuwah, which your hands have prepared. Yahuwah reigns forever and ever. And the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And Yahuwah brought back the waters upon them, of the sea upon them. And the children of Israel went out on dry ground in the midst of the sea. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aharon, took the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels when dancing. And Miriam answered, answered them, sing to Yahuwah, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Nothing will get you fired up like the word. Promise. So now, let's look at the correlation here. We're going to kind of flip back and forth. But Revelation 12, we can see there's another pursuit that's taking place. Verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. In the Shamayim, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland or a crown of twelve stars. And then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery dragon, red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. And his tail drew a third of the stars of the heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to Elohim and his throne. Now we know that this is talking about Yahushua, right? If you look at Matthew 2, this is literally what's taking place there, right? But it's also prophetic in nature. It's talking about Israel as well. Verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness. Where, did they, where were the Israelites going? Where were the Hebrews going? They were fleeing Egypt, going into the wilderness. Right? Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by Elohim that they should feed her there. 1,260 days. Now, I'm going to flip somewhere real quick. John 14. Okay? It says a place prepared. John 14. One of my favorite 
little intros here. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in Elohim. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many staying places. And if not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I shall come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. This is what's taking place here. He's taking away his bride. If you read in Song of Solomon, I'm not going to go there, but if you read in it, it says, come take my hand, my bride. Come away. Come away with me. Come take my hand, my bride. Come away. Come away with me. He's drawing us into the wilderness, those who have been chosen to go. Into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by Elohim. It's, it's by him that's prepared to be nourished 1,260 days. The 42 months we've talked about, the three and a half years, while all hell is virtually breaking loose, on the world, right? Verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, hallelujah, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, Hasatan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our Elohim and the power of his Messiah have come for the accuser of, the, of our brethren who accused them before our Elohim day and night has been cast down. Verse 11, very important. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even unto death. See, you see, it wasn't a happy ending for everyone who was a Hebrew Israelite in Mitzrayim. There were many who probably perished under the slavery. You know, if they didn't perish, they were definitely persecuted. There were, there were, they were slaves. They were enslaved. Some of them were probably in prison, probably in dungeons, probably starving probably fatigued like no other. And many of them most likely died. But how did they overcome? They overcame Mitzrayim by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, the fact that they would not bow down to the Egyptian gods. They wouldn't serve them. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time, or that he has little time, or that his time is short. Take your pick on translation there. Now, here's what's interesting. Verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, 
the place what? Prepared for her that we just talked about, where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time, the 1260 days, the 42 months, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped out the woman, helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of Elohim and have the testimony of Yahushua Hamashiach, the remnant. So, the pursuit, same thing. It's happening right now. It's just we don't even recognize it because it's not tangible yet. But I promise you that they wish that they could just jump on the mic and say, hey, we want to kill every single one of you. But they're not there yet because Yahweh's mercy hasn't run out yet. The day of reckoning hasn't come yet. He's still allowing people to get inside the ark. He's still allowing people to come in under the blood, the blood of the lamb. But it's happening. Because right now, there's almost a billion people. There's estimates of seven and a half billion people total on the earth, population-wise, worldwide. And there's almost a billion people already who have taken that DNA altering jab. They've taken it. They've taken it. They've taken the mark of the beast. They've taken it. Willingly, voluntarily. Now, some, you know, they're like, well, I had to take it because, you know, I was going to lose my job if I didn't or whatever, but you still had a choice, right? So the pursuit is on. They're all in this together. When you actually break that down, and I'm not the only one who's been given this revelation. There's many others who have gotten the same revelation, but they're all in this to get her. Who is her? Her is the bride. They're all in this to get her. They want her. They don't just want her. They want her inheritance, right? It's the same thing. So the pursuit is on, but we're being, there's a new birth that's taking place. That's why Yahushua refers to the end times as birth pains, as a woman in, in labor, right? Just like Revelation 12 talks about. So that's what it's all about. But the pursuit is on, and eventually it's going to come to, you know, because these people who think that, like, I can just build a homestead and they'll just leave me alone and I can just wait there for three and a half years and, and then Yahushua will come and everything will be great. It's a pipe dream. Because unless Yahuwah supernaturally covers you and chooses you to go into the wilderness, you will be persecuted. And I don't say that to scare you. I'm saying that to prepare you. Because persecution is actually a good thing. I've brought this up before. But persecution actually gets rid of the pretenders. 
Because there's a lot of people who acknowledge him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And the persecution, see, that's why it's called the hour of trial. It's the hour of testing, the hour of trial, because he wants to see who's really his, who's on my side. Are you on my side? Do you really want my kingdom? Do you really want to live with me forever? Do you really want eternal life? Do you really want me to be your master and savior and king? Or do you just want free fire insurance? Do you just want the convenience of the gospel and not have to pay a price? That's what we're dealing with today. Right? So where was I at? I think, oh yeah, I got done with that. So now let's jump down to Revelation 14. Revelation 13 is obviously all about the two beasts, the mark of the beast, all that stuff. So that's what we're skipping over there, just in case somebody was wondering, okay? So the lamb and the 144,000. Revelation 14, 1 through 5. And I looked and I saw a lamb standing on Mount Zion with, and with him 144,000 having his father's name, the name of Yahuwah, written upon their foreheads. And I heard a voice out of heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a renewed song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one was able to learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the, they are those who are not defiled with women, for they are maidens. They are those following the Lamb wherever He leads them. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to Elohim and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no falsehood, for they are blameless before the throne of Elohim. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to get into who the 144,000 are, whether they're men or women or anything like that, okay? We're just talking about the, this is the first fruits of the resurrection here, right? And then Revelation 15, verse 1 through 4, is this, And I saw another sign in the heaven, great and marvelous, seven messengers having the seven last plagues, for the wrath of Elohim was ended in them. <clears throat> and I saw like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those overcoming the beast and his image and his mark and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of Elohim, and they sang the song of Moshe, the servant of Elohim, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Yahuwah El Shaddai. Righteous and true are your ways, O sovereign of the set-apart ones, the Kodashim. Who shall not fear you, O Yahuwah, and esteem your name? Because you alone are kind. Because all nations shall come and worship before you. For your righteousness have been made manifest. Not sure that's a word, but we'll go with it, all right? Your judgments have been made manifest. Well, we'll go with that too, okay? But 
if I read this in the New King James, it says, and I saw verse, verse two, and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, which what did they see when they went to the mountain? Right? They saw the sea of glass. They saw the sapphire. They saw the firmament. Saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. Those who have the victory over the beast. How do we have the victory? Go back to Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not loving their lives even unto death. That's how we have the victory. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing, not sob, on the sea of glass, having harps of Elohim. These are the ones who get to sing the song of Moses, song of Moshe. They're standing, you know. Brother uh, Matthew did a really good teaching when he taught on Revelation 15, I believe it was. I want to say it was. It might have been Revelation 14 as well. I'm not sure. You can go back and listen to it, watch it. And he really got into the not sob and what it means in the Hebrew and everything like that. I'm not going to touch on it. I'm just going to, um, or I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to touch on it. But isn't it interesting That in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this. <clears throat> it says, verse 13, well, actually, uh, no, I'll start in verse 10. Start in verse 10 here. Let me switch it. Verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in Yahuwah and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of Elohim that you may be that, that you may be able to what stand not sob against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of Elohim that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. The evil day that I put before you that we are in right now. That evil day. And it's only going to get worse. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Zedekah, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take this helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of Elohim. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, be watch, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints in the spirit. So it says to pray, prayer and with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So anyone telling you that praying in tongues, praying in the spirit isn't important, well, you better show them the word because it is. 
That's part of the, the armor. That's part of being able to stand, right? Now, another thing that's interesting, if you look at Luke 21, and then I'll wrap up after this. says this right here verse 34 the importance of watching my headline says but take heed to yourself lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly the way it's come upon so many unexpectedly right now for it will come as a snare on all those dwelling on the face of the whole earth has it not yes it has Verse 36, watch, therefore, and pray always that you be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to what? Stand before the Son of Man. Now, this is one of those verses where they try and throw out the pre-trib doctrine on you and they make it seem like, see, you're trying to pray that you're, you're praying always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, but don't you also escape it if you survive through it, if you make it through it, wouldn't you also escape it? Noah had the flood all around him. He wasn't taken away from the earth, out of the earth, but he was on the earth in the midst of the flood, in the midst of the judgment. But you could also say, Watch, therefore, pray always that you be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. You escape them by enduring until the end and to stand as one of those in Revelation 15 before the Son of Man. Because those who don't escape, those who don't endure, those who don't have enough oil in their lamp, they're not going to escape. It's going to overtake them because they didn't develop that oil of intimacy that is so precious because that's what keeps us it's the love of christ that compels us the apostle paul says right so hopefully now after reviewing all of this you can see how literally there's nothing new under the sun, right? <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. We have, we have Exodus 12. We have the blood. What do we have in Revelation 12? We have the blood by the blood of the lamb, right? In uh, Throughout uh, Exodus uh, 14, you have um, the pursuant you know, the, the pursuant enemy, because it's, it's going to be the same thing. If you go back and look at Exodus 14, or um, maybe it was Exodus 12, I'm sorry. Let me go back, I'm sorry. See, right here, verse 33. The Mitzrites urge the people the Israelites, and hastened them to send them out of the land, for they said, we're all dying. Now, isn't it interesting that we've been talking about the fact that those who won't take the jab, those who won't 
uh, take the test, those who won't wear a mask, those who won't go along with their plan to, you know, flatten the curve, you know, it's just 15 days or 14 days or whatever it was to flatten the curve. And now we're well into the 400s, I think, day wise, right? But now they're going to start really viewing us as the virus. You're the virus. You're the, you unvaccinated uh, <laughs> so-called, you know, Christians or, you know, you Messiah followers, whatever they label us, who knows, right? But you're the reason why we can't go back to normal. You're the reason why we're all dying. You're the reason why these variants come up. You're the reason why what's happening in India over there, because we're not all vaccinated yet. And plagues, the plagues will come upon them. The pale horse will come upon them. And they don't even, and, and they'll, you know, instead of blaming the, the vaccines, the jabs, which is what's causing it, they're going to blame us. They're going to blame those who don't go along with their plan. It's the same thing with Egypt. Instead of blaming Pharaoh for not letting the people go, their king, Pharaoh, and petitioning him, hey, hey, why don't you just let the Israelites go? Just let them go. They're destroying our land. They're killing us. Instead of doing that, no, 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 no. No, they come and blame the Israelites. And the Mitzrites urged the people and hastened them to send them out of the land, for they said, we are all dying. It's because of you that we're all dying. And it's, that's the same thing. And that's why we're going to be betrayed. That's why Yahushua told us, hey, Matthew 10, I did not come to bring peace on the earth, but I came to bring a sword. For I will put mother against, uh, mother against son, son against daughter, or father against daughter, husband against wife, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm talking about? Because right now, that's what's happening. That's why it's so important to not be unequally yoked. Because right now, there's people who thought they were both believers. They thought they both believed. They thought they were confessing, you know, in Messiah, uh, you know, professing Messiah, believing in Messiah. And all of a sudden, they're like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? We're having a serious conversation. What do you mean? You want to, what? No. You know, and they're finding out that either the, the husband or the wife or the wife or the husband, whatever, one of them wants to stay in the world. And that's exactly what's, what was happening in Egypt. You know, when the, when the pursuit happened, that's, what, that's what's going to start happening. Is when the pursuit comes, see, right here, that's when people start to lose their faith. That's why Yahushua said, will I find faith on the earth when I return? At my return, will I find faith in the earth? That's also why he has to shorten the days. And if those days had not been shortened, no flesh would be saved. Because I'm telling you right now that there's roughly about a billion people almost who've already taken this. So they're unredeemable. They cannot be redeemed. Their DNA has been changed. I don't care if they look the same on the outside right now. They are not the same person. They're no longer built in his image. They're no longer made in his image, but they've become made in the likeness of the beast. It just hasn't manifested yet. 
but it will. Because that which a man sows, he shall also reap. If you reap corruption, you will reap. Or if you sow corruption, you will reap corruption. Bottom line, that's what is going to happen. So when this pursuit does take place and neighbors start to sell out neighbors and family members start to sell out, uh, sell out one another, he's already told us. He said, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. He said that. But don't be offended. We have to have the same type of heart and spirit that he did when he was on the tree. And he was about to give up his last breath. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's what we have to do. We have to show them that we can truly love our enemies. But that's what's going to happen. That mixed multitude that's starting to come out, you know, because like I, I've said before, you know, their goal is herd immunity. They take, keep talking about 70, 80%. Once they achieve that, then they can do whatever they want because they'll have the numbers, right? Right now they're at about a third, according to their reports online. But now they're targeting those vaccine hesitant ones. They're purposely targeting them. They're targeting them with buddy referral programs right now. They're targeting them with incentives. Um, I just, uh, I haven't seen the article yet. My brother just sent me a text saying that the New York Yankees are giving away free tickets to those who go and get the vaccine right before the baseball game. You know, I mean, they're going to, they're going to find out what people's price is. You know, the, the old saying, what would you do for a Klondike bar? You know, <laughs> what would you do? You know, and, and as the pursuit gets steadier and steadier and steadier and as it gets more and more um, hostile you're gonna have people being like this right here did you take us away to die in the wilderness because there were no graves in mitzrayim it was better for us to stay in egypt it was better for us to stay in mystery babylon it was better for us to just go along with their social distancing program their mask wearing, their test getting, their vaccine taking. It was better for us. We should have just stayed in Mitzrayim. We should have just stayed in Mystery Babylon and served them rather than to die in the wilderness. You see, when the, when the crap hits the fan, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when we're really going to find out, hey, are you for them? Are you against them? Because right now it's just, comfort you know we have all these different comforts that we have that's why i've been talking about i think it was in part two when i talked about deliver us it has to get worse it has to get worse because that's when that's when the the crowd disperses you know because hundreds used to follow him in the crowd but only 12 followed him closely only 12 came in, you know, the, the crowd, see, all they get was parables. That was it. But the ones who pressed in, they came and said, no, 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 no. I, I'm not satisfied with your parables, Master Yahusha, but I need you to tell me what you're talking about. That's the difference between being called and being chosen. Do we want to be a spectator or do we want to be in the game, so to speak? Do we want to be involved? 
We want to be engaged with Him in His end-time plans. It's the difference between Abraham and Lot. Abraham knew judgment was coming. Lot didn't have a clue. Both were righteous. But Abraham interceded on Lot's behalf because of it. He was a friend of Elohim, Abraham was. So anyway, I hope that um, this made sense. And you can see, like I said, that this is what we're going back to. We're going to be singing the song again. We're going to be singing the song of Moshe. Those who have the victory. We have the victory over the beast. We have the victory over his image. We have the victory over his mark. And we have the victory over his, the number of his name as well. We will be singing. And we may go through a little bit of hell on earth, so to speak. But we're going to have eternity in New Jerusalem, in heaven, so-called. Right? So, hallelujah. Hallelujah.